0: It's beautiful it's got my mind on you and everywhere i turn is a reminder
1: Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with Worldwide Impact. My name is Rory Clark, and I am the pastor of Barah Ministries. Welcome to this Bible lesson. Who is Jesus Christ? At Barah Ministries, we know this truth, that Jesus Christ is God. When he was told by the other apostles that Jesus was raised from the dead, the doubting apostle, Thomas, refused to believe it. Thomas told the other apostles that he would not believe it unless he saw Jesus for himself. So Jesus, with his personal concern for all of us, and especially Thomas at that time, appeared to Thomas and said to him in John chapter 20, verse 27, Thomas, do not be unbelieving, but keep on believing. See, uh, the world says, I'll believe it when I see it. Christians say, I'll see it when I believe it. We walk by faith and not by sight. So what did Thomas say when he saw the resurrected Christ? John chapter 20, verse 28, he identified exactly who the the risen Christ is. Thomas answered and said to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Clearly, the doubting one knew the one to whom he was speaking, the sovereign God of the universe, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, why does Barah Ministries exist? At Barah Ministries, we make a difference by introducing people to the Lord, teaching the Word of God verse by verse from God's perspective and not from man's perspective. Barah Ministries exists for the benefit of Christians, those of us who want a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with the Lord through the study of his word. And the only way you get a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with the Lord is by knowing his thoughts, and the Bible is his exact thoughts. So why study the word of God? Proverbs chapter 30 verse 5 says this, every word of God communicated through the Bible proves itself to be true. The Lord is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So nana nana boo boo to all those people who say that the Bible is just a bunch of stories or it's a bunch of stuff written by human beings. And it's so funny to me, that thing that Raquel said to me uh, last week just keeps resonating in my mind, how people will be critical of the Bible being written by men, which it wasn't. It was God breathed into men who wrote it, yet all of their other learning comes from books written by human beings, too. So why this book? Why does this book get sorted out and singled out? as too old, out of date, with a lot of contradictions, none of which is true. You know why, because God has an enemy. So we study the Word of God because the Lord reveals himself in ways that make sense to human beings through his infallible Word, and we get to know him By studying the Bible, and through what we learn in the Bible, we develop a personal relationship with the Lord. And I'll tell you what, when you lose a child, there's nothing that is more comforting to you than having the Word of God that has been implanted in your soul over the course of 40 or 50 years to give you the comfort you need, because the world isn't supporting you with any comfort during times like that. Amen? So Kara's going to have to count on her personal relationship with the Lord and through the things that she's learned in the Word as she deals with this tragedy in her life. The truth of the Word of God shields us in Satan's kingdom. However, a warning, we implore you to always compare what you learn, both at Barah Ministries and in the world, to what the Bible has to say. And that is not just an invitation that's a responsibility for believers in Christ. Now, God has an enemy, Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world. We live in Satan's kingdom. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says this. We believers in Christ know that we are possessions of God the Father, and we also know that the whole world lies in the power of Satan, the evil one. The whole world lies in the power of his deceptions, And if you don't believe it, just go watch the news sometimes because you're being deceived all the time on the news. You're being convinced that you're going to be carjacked in a Bed Bath & Beyond parking lot by a black guy. Amen? And I guarantee you, I do not shop at Bed Bath & Beyond, so it's not going to be me. Amen? Now, if you're over at Walmart, you might be in trouble. Now, Satan encourages us to act independently of God's will. Look at the lie he told to Esha, later known as Eve, in the Garden of Eden after she had been instructed by God through Adam not to eat from a certain tree. Genesis chapter 3 verse 5 says this, Satan said to to Esha, God knows that in the day you eat from it, that tree in the middle of the garden, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. There it is. There's that Christ-like crap right there. That's who who inspired the Christ-like crap. Satan, the enemy of God. So Satan sponsors thoughts like, be Christ-like. I am the captain of my fate. I am the master of my soul, Invictus. No, you aren't. No, you aren't. God can turn your light off like that. You are not the captain of your soul. If it's to be, it's up to me. Well, if what's up, if, if what's up to be, uh, if, if what's up to thee, it is to be, what you'll do is ruin your life. You make plans, and how often do they actually come true? But it's, God is running the life of believers in Christ. He is ordaining our steps. We follow his direction. So these thoughts that we're independent some, somehow makes us ignore our dependence on God. Yet we are not independent. Don't believe Satan's lies. We need God. Amen? Amen. All right. Today's Bible lesson God has the power to transform us in life and in death. God has the power to transform us in life and in death. Well, we have a God who specializes in transformation, he is able to completely change us in form, in appearance, in structure, in character, and in nature. That character one is the one that hits me all the time because there are so many things that I just don't want to do. And yet God has systematically changed my attitude about things. I don't want to get along with my kids. Right, You have that attitude, God systematically changes that attitude. And that's amazing, and that's called transformation. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul reminds us of this established and irrevocable fact. Do not be conformed to this world by your three enemies, Satan, his cosmic system of thought, and the flesh that's resident in your body. Instead, keep on being transformed by God the Holy Spirit through the renewing of your mind by studying the Word of God, so that you may see clearly, through the testing of experience, what the will of God is. And God does not want us to learn theory. He does not want us to be book smart. He gives us tribulation so that we can be experience smart, that we can experience a death and we can see his deliverance to life amen and that's what happens over and over in our lives. We have things that go wrong, but we know as Christians we already have the victory, and he makes things go well and he is not he is he is a lot slower at doing that than we prefer amen <laughs> but he took ten years to put the support system in place so that Kara could be supported in this critical minute. You understand that? He's very patient. And so you need to adopt his patience because he is amazingly patient so that you may see clearly through the testing of experience what the will of God is and what is the will of God. The will of God is that which is good for you, that which is acceptable to him, and that which is perfect in result. Everything he does is perfect, and everything he does is for you and never against you. Amen? He is not a big foot waiting to come down on you. He is not disappointed with you. Never has been, never will be. You never did anything that sneaked up on an omniscient God who knows all the knowable. Amen? It sneaked up on you. You didn't realize how perverted you were, but he knew before he even made you who you were, and he loves you anyway, and he loves you unconditionally, he loves you like a mother loves, and it's amazing. So, our transformation began from the moment of salvation. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this Therefore, If anyone is in union with Christ, and all believers in Christ are, at the moment of your salvation, you are placed into union with Christ, and you cannot get out. Amen? Anybody who tells you you can lose your salvation is lying to you. Once you believe in Christ through faith alone in Christ for salvation, you are placed into union with Christ. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You do not have to be dipped in water To be baptized, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh well, I'm sorry, Pastor, but the baptism getting dunked in water is the outward expression of an inward result. Whatever. Okay? You know, go to the go to the River Jordan, there's a great business. They dress you up in a white robe and put you in the water, and all it accomplishes is a bunch of water rushes up your nose, into your brain, it hurts. And if you're black and you can't swim, you're in trouble, amen? amen Amen. that's right you know you ain't ever seen no black people swimming anywhere i was like that's why i love the amazing race the amazing race they always have a black couple on i say oh boy i hope they ain't got no water events as they do i hope there's a boat but anyway if anyone (laughs) if anyone is in union with christ and all believers in christ are there is a new creation The old man things passed away. They died. The old creation died. And what happened? Behold, the new creation has come into being. You are a completely different person than you were before you were saved. You were unregenerate, and now you're regenerate. You were in union with Adam, and now you're in union with Christ, and that's an amazing thing. But in the first century Corinthian church, and we're studying 1 Corinthians, the believers were being influenced by the Greek culture that they existed within, influenced by a group of unbeliever Greek philosophers who posed intellectual questions to raise doubt in the mind of believers about the viability of the resurrection from the dead. Well, we've been talking about that. If there's no resurrection from the dead, then we are completely wasting our time right now. We need to be at home eating Cinnabons. Amen? But... The thing is, when the world tries to inspire you, it works. When, they, when the world inspires you with doubt, it works. Look what's happened over the last year and a half. You've been convinced that your body, which was successfully fighting flus for however old you are, I'm 66. My body was successfully fighting flus for 66 years and all of a sudden just forgot. It didn't forget. It didn't forget, when Zachary was born, within a month he had been sneezed on, snotted on, coughed on by at least a hundred people. He was a pass around pack. Cough on him. I wanna get him get it get him his immunity system. And then now all of a sudden that's no longer in play. False. But you know, there's some good stuff, you know, people wash their hands a lot now. I like there's it. not it doesn't hurt anything, right? So anyway, in today's lesson, the Apostle Paul puts the human logical arguments of the Greek philosophers to shame by introducing the power of our Almighty God to transform. All right, so let's hear some music. As believers in Christ, we keep on being conformed by God the Holy Spirit to the image of God the Son. Why does God the Holy Spirit do this for us? Colossians chapter 1, verse 10 says this, so that you believers in Christ will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. What does that mean, walk? That you'll have a lifestyle in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. And what is the lifestyle that is worthy of the Lord? The one that pleases him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, the fruit of the Spirit, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's the big one. Increasing in the knowledge of God. And anybody who is a Christian knows that all of those things that are being asked for are not things that we can do and not things that we do on a routine basis. But all of those things are the responsibility of God to bring into our experience that we please Him, that we bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, and that we increase in the knowledge of God. Our lifestyle is worthy of the Lord when we genuinely take the time to get to know him through the study of his word, when we notice how he is transforming us, our character, when we say yes to his way of thinking, and when we realize that we are holy just as he is holy because he made us holy at the moment of salvation by imputing to us his own righteousness. We are worthy of the Lord when we aren't weighed down by what unspoken describes As the human condition,
2: I fake my confidence and put it on like armor. Five foot nine, so I try to stand a little taller. To measure up, I gotta work a little harder. It's the human condition. I do it all to make it perfect for the picture pretty smile. Let me find the perfect filter. If they believe it, maybe i believe it with them. That's the human condition. Lord, help me. I'm so tired of pretending. promise.
1: for us, that he loves us just as we are? Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the word of God. Father, thank you for every perfect decision you make in this life, including the death of your godly ones. Thank you for putting in place the support we need and the solutions we need long before we have a problem. Thank you for your word that we study today. We know that you are storing in our souls the seeds which will grow into plants that provide spiritual comfort in due time. Today we pray for the Barah Ministries family because you have called home one of our own. Protect our hearts from the seeds of doubt Satan is willing to sow during this time of vulnerability. Help us to trust you, just as Job did, realizing your name is blessed regardless of our circumstances. And remind us that you restore everything in due time, just as you did for Job, providing much more grace than we could possibly imagine. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, God has the power to transform us in life and in death. God has the power to transform us in life and in death. Just a quick hello to Larry and Pat Collins, who are over in the Hoosier State in Indiana visiting their son, uh, Kevin. I know they're sitting there admiring their handiwork because they are very uh, valuable members of Barah Ministries, and this broadcast is going out all over the world, courtesy of them. Although I'm sure that the broadcast is going out a lot clearer today without Larry running the board over there, but... Uh, You know, because Deacon Denny is on the case (laughs) today. But no, I'm kidding about that, of course. So hi to Pat, Larry, and Kevin. You guys, we love you and we miss you. And have uh, safe travels back home. So we continue our study of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 at section 5. And as a reminder, the issue Paul is addressing in 1 Corinthians 15 is the concern the believers in the first century church at Corinth have Is there really a resurrection from the dead? And we said that if there isn't, there's a domino effect. If there isn't, Christ isn't raised from the dead. And if Christ isn't raised from the dead, there's no such thing as Christianity. And there's no such thing as Christianity. The cross was completely meaningless. And there's a whole host of things, which means your faith is worthless. I've been lying to you. God, the father's been lying to you. You're toast. You're just going to die. And that's all. Amen we don't want that. That's not true. And so what Paul is doing is attacking that viewpoint. And so some were saying, there is no resurrection from the dead in this first century church at Corinth. These are believers in Christ saying this. And here's what Paul asked them in 1 Corinthians 15:12. He said, now if Christ is preached, and he is, that he's been raised from the dead, How is it that some among you believers in Christ are saying there is no resurrection from the dead? What are you thinking? And so you had to do some investigation to find out what they were thinking. And what they were thinking is that the Greek philosophers around them, all those unbelievers, were telling them something different. Aristotle said, oh, there's an unmoved mover. Okay, Aristotle, who is it? Well, I don't know his name. Yeah, it's Jesus Christ. It's the Lord Jesus Christ is the unmoved mover. Have fun in the lake of fire. So many of those guys were so smart. My whole high school career, as I was on the path to be a Jesuit priest, was studying these guys, and they were so smart. Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, Pliny, Cicero, uh, Virgil, I can name them all. They were so smart. They were so smart that they were dumb. Amen? Because they missed the most important thing. And that's the smart guys are always the brokest guys in the room in the sales profession. Because they're so interested in their smartness. I still haven't forgiven Ken Wisenhunt, who was the coach of the Arizona Cardinals when they went to the Super Bowl. He's the smart guy. Right? We're on the one-yard line with one minute to go in the first half. He's got Edgerin James in the backfield, who is a Hall of Famer, and he's going to pass on the one-yard line. And what happens? The fattest guy on the Pittsburgh Steelers intercepts the ball, runs it all the way 100 yards. He had to be taken to the hospital right afterward to be resuscitated for six weeks because he was out of oxygen. And now one of our 11 guys could tackle the guy in 100 yards. And Pete Carroll repeated the same stupid mistake with beast mode, Marshawn Lynch in the in his backfield, passing on the one-yard line, and he gets intercepted. That's smart guys. And so this is these are the kind of guys that the first century church in Corinth folks were surrounded with. People who are these great thinkers who had zero common sense. And so. In the first four sections of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is answering the question the first century believers at Corinth had, is, there, is the resurrection from the dead real? And as I reflect on the tsunami of thought that is pouring forth now that the puzzle pieces of this chapter are forming a clear picture, it occurs to me that the first century Corinthian believers were being influenced by unbelievers. I don't believe you heard me, so I'm going to repeat that. They were being influenced by unbelievers. I asked a friend of mine recently, is your roommate a believer in Christ? She said, yes. I said, how do you know? Well, she's got a great lifestyle, and she reads the Bible all the time, and, you know, she's, you know, blah, 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 and all this legalistic crap, right? Well, I didn't hear the key thing that I was listening for. What was I listening for? That she believes in Jesus Christ. That she's placed her confidence in Jesus Christ for her salvation. That's what I'm listening for. I'm not listening for all this outward crap. I'm not listening for that. Do you believe in Christ? The Christ, the biblical Christianity. That's it. But, see, we've got all these religious people among us. And, and believe me, I was one of them who are staunch. I, I'm, I'm binge-watching Amazing Race, if you didn't know that. I've been mentioning that about the last six weeks in a row. But there was a, uh, yeah, <laughs> Deacon Denny gives me the loser sign. Thank you, Deacon Denny. <laughs> but there was a guy on there with his son, and, you know, they do these introductions at the beginning. He says, I'm a staunch Southern Baptist, and my son is gay. And I started laughing hysterically because that's God's sense of humor, right? So if you're this staunch Southern Baptist, why is it an issue? Why is your son's sexual orientation an issue? You've never heard of unconditional love? See, well, I'm a staunch, but you haven't got any, any faith in what God is saying in the Bible. It's really funny. So a lot of times we're being influenced by religious people who are legalistic, the worst people on the planet, legalistic people who think they can follow the rules, I would much rather hang around immoral people. Amen? Amen. Seeing as I am one, no. (laughs) But anyway, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, the Lord reminds us, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter the kingdom of heaven. And what is the will of his Father? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I sent my son, I, God the Father loved the world unconditionally, and he loved the world so much that he gave his uniquely born son that whosoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. That's what God the Father's will is, that you believe in his son first and foremost, seek first his kingdom, and then his righteousness, and all else will be added to you. So there are a lot of unbelievers who study the Bible. There are a lot of unbelievers who talk about Jesus. We got a church, the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints. They don't believe Jesus Christ is God. They think the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three separate people. and There is not one Godhead, and they all vary in power. Okay, and we are going to listen to them. We think they're spiritual. There are a lot of unbelievers who go to church more than Christians do. Amen? There are a lot of staunch unbelievers. There are a lot of unbelievers who have died in the wool beliefs that cannot be changed. I don't care when anybody tells me I wasn't raised that way. Here's the way God is, and that's final. Let me tell you something. Every time I have ever thought that something I thought about God was final, I was wrong. Amen? You can't, you can't tap God out. Just as soon as you think you know him, he shows you something else. And you go, huh? And I finally got tired of it. You know, I, I finally, through that, I realized that there's a life way beyond right and wrong. See, the right and wrong life is legalism. There's a life beyond that. You know what it's called? Grace. Grace, because in the in the life of grace, you find out you're wrong most of the time and it doesn't bother you a bit. Does not bother you a bit. Oops. Can't wait till the next one. Golf teaches you that. You go out one day, you shoot an 80. Next day you go out, and shoot 170. <laughs> Excuse me. This course, is this the L Cardinal course? Yeah, I shot an 80 on this yesterday. I shot a 170 today. Well, you know why they call it golf, Rory, right? No, why? Because all the other four-letter words were taken. (laughs) (laughs) You don't own golf. We don't own life. It's just that way. We don't own our knowledge of God because as soon as we think we know him, he tells us the next piece. And we'll never, never tap him out. We'll never understand the depth of the magnificence of this fantastic Savior that we have chosen. So there are a lot, this is one of the things I learned when I made the transition from legalism to grace. There are a lot of unbelievers who write biblical commentaries and I was using them all to teach people. And then all of a sudden, Now, I can tell whether a person's a believer in Christ or not like that when I'm reading a commentary. Because they make the left turn, and you see it right away. There are a lot of unbelievers who influence the thoughts of Christians with their nonsense. So you look at a person, and you think, wow, they're really spiritual. And then you start following that. I remember that uh, my first wife used to sit at the kitchen table and read the Bible, and she would cry. And I would be so bummed because I'm not emotional when I study the Bible. Again, it, you know, it's, it's a rare thing. Once in a while, I'll, you know, I'll hear a song or something, and stuff will come flooding. But for the most part, I just wasn't emotional about it. And I thought, God, she's really spiritual. I wish I had that. And then found out about three months later that she has bipolar illness. That was where the emotion was coming from. See? So we don't look at human beings to decide what's spiritual. You're spiritual if you're indwelled by God the Holy Spirit, and you're indwelled by God the Holy Spirit if you're a believer in Christ. That's what makes you spiritual. Not some goofy feeling that you have in your belly that burns. That's indigestion, amen? That's stop eating spicy food, amen? Amen? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask the Mexicans to stop a- eating spicy food. You guys are not going to stop eating spicy food. <laughs> the first century Corinthian believers probably were listening to unbelievers in the Greek culture who enjoyed asking provocative questions that had no real answer. 1 Corinthians chapter 2.14 reminds believers in Christ to think about unbelievers who do this. A natural man, the Sukikos man in Greek, the unbeliever does not accept the things of the Holy Spirit of God. Why? They're foolishness to him. Why? He can't understand them because they're spiritually examined. Those are the people who are boxed in, right? They can get to this level with their intellect, but there's a whole life beyond that, the spiritual life. They can't get past it. That's what that verse is saying. The Bible is filled with unbelievers asking intellectual questions to stimulate their intellect, but seeking no real answer, like Nicodemus. You remember him? The guy they named McDonald's after, Nicky D? So it... In an example of him asking intellectual questions was John chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Here's what happened. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, 20-year Bible student of Old Testament Scripture, primarily the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. John chapter 3, verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, For no one can do these signs you do unless God is with him. Insult. He was not a rabbi and he was not a teacher. He was the sovereign God of the universe in human form. The Lord who took on human form as Jesus, the Christ. He was looking at his Messiah that he had been studying about for 20 years. John chapter 3, verse 3. And Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus. Jesus got right to the point and punched him in the face. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That punched Nicodemus in the solar plexus. When he heard that, he couldn't breathe. And so his only response was to laugh it off with his intellect. John chapter 3, verse 4. Oh, well, how can a man be born again when he's old? He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb, can he? <laughs> well, the yoke was on Nicodemus, amen? <laughs> so Nicodemus' question was not seeking an answer. He was being a wise guy. It was simple, simply the nonsensical thoughts of a natural man an unbeliever at the time, he eventually became a believer in Christ and was one of the people who, with Joseph, fetched Jesus' body after it was crucified. But he was simply a nonsensical, uh, natural man who couldn't perceive spiritual things. But the Lord gave Nicodemus an answer that is quite relevant in our study of this next section. John chapter 3, verse 6, the Lord said, That which is born of the flesh, mortals, is flesh mortal and that which is born again of God the holy spirit is spirit ooh <laughs> punched in the stomach again right and and if you go along in this in this chapter finally jesus has to say you know you're you're a man of the ruler of the jews and a pharisee and you don't understand these things cuz nicodemus was sit standing there with his eyes open and his mouth oh how can this be yeah, how can this be? You find out if you study. Unbelievers never take God into account in their thinking, and so they are always ignoring God's transformational powers. They are always hitting the ceiling of the intellect. Well, in this next section of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul addresses a new question. What is the new question? How is the resurrection possible? Is it real? He answered it. Yes, it is. How is it possible? Section 5 is verses 35 to 49. Section 6 is verses 50 to 58. We're studying section 5, verse by verse right now. So here are the questions of unbelief Paul sought to answer. Let's begin at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. Some will ask, how is it possible that the dead are raised? How is it possible that people are resurrected from the dead? And with what kind of body did the dead come back? Because the unbeliever, of course, thought, oh, we're gonna, they're going to take our worm-eaten body out of the ground, and that's going to be it. No, that wasn't it at all. Paul uses an agricultural analogy to explain a spiritual phenomenon. Belief in the resurrection is like belief in the harvest. Neither are fully understood except by farmers. That's why I'm sad Larry's not here, so I, I can't tease Larry today about his farmer life. Former life, farmer life, that was good. <laughs> I like that. But both of those are real. So how is it that a few seeds become hundreds of stalks of delicious corn? How is it that a few seeds sprout into stalks of wheat that make Ezekiel bread? Ooh. Paul doesn't like such inane questions as those in verse 35, so he says, "Don't be stupid people." In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 36, he says, "You fool." And he's talking about those who asked those two questions, which were the intellects of the Greek culture. That which you sow, a seed, doesn't come to life unless it dies. That's what happens to a seed. You put it in the ground, you water it, it bursts open, it dies. And then it starts growing into a new form, 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-seven, And that which you sow, a seed, you do not sow the body which is to be when the seed is fully grown. They're different. But you sow a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else, corn. A seed's life comes from its death. A believer's transformed life comes from his God. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-eight. But God gives the seed a body just as God wills. And to each of the seeds, God gives a body of its own, one that is proper for the situation. If you look at seeds, they all look different. A pumpkin seed does not look like a pecan, does not look like a walnut, does not look like all, uh, a mustard seed. They all are different seeds because God gives them different forms for the function that he planned them for. So God shows us spiritual things through so many earthly things. For example, God has the power to give different bodies to different creatures, whether they're on the land, in the air, or on the sea. And there is a death coming to life process in agriculture. But what about the flesh of the earth and the sky and the sea? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 39, all flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one flesh of men, human flesh. There's another flesh of beasts, animal flesh. There's another flesh of birds. There's another flesh of fish. <coughs> Paul continues his argument with the thought that must follow logically. If God has the power to give different bodies in the earthly realm, God has the power to give different bodies in the heavenly realm. 1 Corinthians fifteen forty. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly body is one thing. The glory of the earthly body is another thing. They are different. God has the power to give different bodies, both in the agricultural realm and in the celestial realm, the visible heavenly realm. 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-one: There is one glory of the blazing sun. There's another glory, the soft glow of the moon. There's another glory, the twinkling of stars, and stars different from, star, differ from star in glory. Stars have individual qualities because God is intricate as well as intimate. Mars glows red at night. When you look at Mars, you see this thing and you see the, the twirling of the lights. When you look at the North Star, it's bright and white. And so stars have different qualities. That was one of the things I used to do to get out of the neighborhood when I was a kid. My mom used to take me down to the Adler Planetarium in Chicago, and I used to go around memorizing all the exhibits because I was going to be an astronomer. And then I found out there was no money in it. Amen? (laughs) There's no money in pastoring either, but oh well. So in light of all these intricacies from God, does a resurrection from the dead seem likely? Does it seem that the resurrection is possible? Does it seem that God has the power to give us resurrection bodies? Does it seem that a God who concerns himself with the small things would concern himself with this big thing, the resurrection? Unbelievers don't think so. Romans chapter 1 verses 21 to 23 say this. Even though those practicing ungodliness and unrighteousness knew there is a God. This is unbelievers. Those practicing ungodliness and unrighteousness did not not honor him as God or give him thanks for creating them. Instead, they became futile in their speculations. That's the intellect. And their foolish heart was darkened. Romans 1.22. Professing to be wise, those practicing ungodly and unrighteousness became fools, Romans 1.23, and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image, an idol, in the form of corruptible man, in the form of birds, in the form of four-footed animals, and in the form of crawling creatures. They worshipped and served idols instead of God. Unbelievers can only perceive what they see on land, in the air, and in the sea. And as a result, Romans chapter 1, verse 25, for those practicing ungodliness and unrighteousness, these are unbelievers, exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature, Satan and his idols, rather than the creator who created the creature, he who is the blessed one forever. Amen. The limited earthly thinking of unbelievers gets in the way of godly, heavenly thinking. Yes, there is a resurrection from the dead, and yes, believers will have a resurrection body, and the resurrection body will not be the same as your earthly body. Amen? Thank God. Don't you get tired of looking at that in the mirror? Yes, I do. (laughs) Don't you get tired of standing in the mirror and wondering why it didn't melt off overnight. Revitalize. That's right, revitalize. So when we return from the break, we'll take the offering, and then we'll continue our study of Section 5 of 1 Corinthians Chapter 15. Take a five-minute break.
2: you picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose So when I hear that devil start talking to me Saying who do you think you are I say
0: I'm just a nobody We're Trying to tell everybody We're All about somebody We're saying For the world to see nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. So let me go down, down, down with history as another bird. For the world to see nobody Nobody but Jesus So let me go
1: Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, God has the power to transform us in life and in death. Well, our Lord gave and gave and gave. And in the Bible, there is a constant call from our Lord to giving and to sacrifice. He wants us to do what he did. And that's probably why there is such resistance to it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 says this, do not neglect to do good. And do not forget to share what you have, for with these sacrifices, God is pleased. The ruler of this world and the enemy of God, Satan, encourages us to adopt the mindset of scarcity, the mindset of being suspicious about giving, the mindset of doubting the motives of the receivers of our generosity, the mindset of hoarding our blessings because they might run out. The Lord has a mindset of abundance. At the offering, be generous, just as the Lord is generous with you. Give and give and give some more. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages.
3: Good morning. 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 My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Bra Ministries. Barah Ministries is a worldwide Christian church, <clears throat> and this is a place for real people who want to listen to a real pastor, teach the real truth from the Word of God. Amen. Amen. And as, as we've been studying the resurrection life, it's an it's, it's amazing thing to think about, the whole resurrection body. It's, it's fun to think that far forward and think about what it's going to be and all the possibilities of it. But the amazing thing is we have the resurrection life right now. We have a new life right now, and it's easy to overlook that and think too far forward or even thinking of the past be focus on some dumb stuff we did in the past but we see in Romans chapter 4 or chapter 6 verse 4 <clears throat> therefore we believers in Christ have been buried buried with Christ through baptism into his death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father so we too might walk in a new life the resurrection life so we have a new life right now and it's funny to think you know i was if we're having troubles during the day your coworkers are bothering you or Maybe your morning commute is driving you crazy. You know, just think about the new life. Think about living in grace. Think about living with unconditional love. Think about living with forgiveness in all these situations with with the people around us. You know, think about living in patience. The new life is patience, kindness, goodness. That's hard to do sometimes. It's easier. It's easier to be a little mean sometimes. Um, But you think about our life. Our 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 whole life is full of new lives, from our spiritual life which is a new life to live in. And then when we're married, that's a new life. It's a new life together. It's a new form of unity. And then you think you have a family life. Family life is a whole new life. It's a whole different thing. And so we need to use those new life mentality in all those new things. We need to have grace, unconditional love, and forgiveness in our spiritual life, our family life, and our marriage life. And then as we develop our spiritual skills, we have a royal family that we're starting to support. So that's really another life. The royal family life. And so we need to consider all these new lives and not worry about all the stuff that's going on in Satan's kingdom. It's really easy to get bogged down in all that stuff. And so, you know, one of the other things our new life can be is we're staunch supporters of Barah Ministries. We're staunch supporters of Christ. You know, and so that, that, that entails three things. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. And I used to think that treasure meant, or talent meant like our skill in life. How, you know, what do we make money at? But that's not what it is. Our talent is our spiritual gift. That's our talent. That's what we come to apply to our, to our new life, with our new family, our new royal family. And so if we can focus on the new life, it's much easier to get through life. It's much easier to focus on grace, unconditional love, rather than, you know, giving them the number one sign when, you, when they drive past you.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, you know, we know what's one, number one here, and that's Barah Ministries. <laughs> And that's Christ. And so thank you all for supporting, and thank you for, for you know, supporting our pastor. And you know, I just reach out to all of you to, to pray for all those that have lost loved ones recently, and it's just a horrible thing. So make sure you're praying for them unceasingly. So thank you very much.
0: I could search for all eternity.
1: Oh, man, you didn't let that last little... Dling! Come on. Today's Bible lesson, God has the power to transform us in life and in death. God has the power to transform us in life and in death. Welcome back. The human body is like a seed. The resurrection body is like a plant. So this is these are heirloom, heirloom seeds. But here's what heirlooms look like when they become a plant, right? The seed looks a lot different from the plant. How about that? Well, there is a resurrection from the dead, and the resurrection body will be quite different from the human body. As we move forward in this section, we'll see the transformative power of God expressed in from-to form. Because God takes everything from something to something. He takes the old man to the new creation. God is always doing a transformative thing. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but keep on being transformed by the renewing of your mind through the study of the Word of God. So he's always from-toing us. All growth occurs when you move from things to things. What are people doing when they're stuck? What are people doing when they are stale? They're staying in the same place. They're not moving from to. Why do they stay in the same place? Because they think they have it all together. Seventy-five percent of people don't go to college. And so what those people are saying is that when they get out of, out of high school, in 12th grade, they have everything they need from a learning point of view to carry them to the age of 90. Completely false. And that's why you see people going bankrupt all the time, because they don't study anything financial. They don't grow. They just stop growing. They think they have it all together. When you think you have arrived, you are ruined. Amen? Amen. You haven't arrived. And I know in my own life, when I'm not learning, it is the worst experience ever. When I'm not reading... And hearing new thoughts and developing new thoughts and new ways of looking at life, it's horrible. I look so forward to studying the Word of God every day so that I can get new thoughts that move you from something to something, because you got to have to get off your old point of view and get to a new one. And one of the things on The Amazing Race, you always see these people who are not getting along on, on the race, and they always say, well, I'm stubborn. I'm stubborn. No, you're an asshole. It's different, right? Because that's stubbornness code for asshole. Well, why? Stuck. Stuck. Think they have the answer. Staying in one place. Move. We can't stay in one place. That chokes us as human beings. So... 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42 says this, So also is the resurrection of the dead. He, Paul is continuing his thoughts. It is sown a perishable body, the human body, which is like a seed, and it is raised by God an imperishable body, a resurrection body like a plant. See, this is something you wouldn't see in the English. But in the Greek, the second part of each of these things is passive voice. And that's why I added the by God part, because all of these things in the second realm are the things that are being done by God. This is his transformative power. He takes us from this perishable body, which is going to go into the, the ground and become fertilizers for da- fertilizer for daffodils, or it's going to go into the furnace and become ash, and he transforms it into something completely different. You die physically, your body will go into the furnace or the ground, but your soul and spirit will go into a new body that is, is designed for the heavenly realm, not designed for the human realm, designed for the heavenly realm. So it's going to be blinged out, beautiful, amazing. And conversely, if you go into the lake of fire because you reject the relationship with Christ, you're going to have a damnation body. And I guarantee you, I don't know much about the damnation body, but I do know this. It is not fire resistant. Amen? It probably is, is, is a it probably just sucks fire to it, which would be just desserts for people who reject a relationship with Christ. So also is the resurrection for the dead. It's sown a, a perishable body, the human body like a seed raised by God an imperishable body a resurrection body like a plant 1 Corinthians 15:43 it is sown in dishonor it is raised by God in glory what is glory your body glory is the thing that's missing from your salvation right now it is a future event and when you are in glory your body will be an exact reflection of God that's what is meant by you are for the, let us make man in our own image, Genesis one you You're going to be the image of God. You're going to be an exact reflection of the God that is indwelling you. The entire trinity indwells church-age believers. So it's sown in dishonor, raised by God in glory, sown in weakness, and is raised by God in power. Uh, I was thinking of that song, His Strength is Perfect, raised in God's power. There's where that, that, those verses, that verse from that song came from. 1 Corinthians 15, 44. It is sown a natural body. It is raised by God a spiritual body. You are in a natural body right now. And one day, you as believers in Christ will have a spiritual body. It's called the resurrection body. Now, if there is a natural body, there is also... A spiritual body. You know what that is? That's Paul slapping the logic people in the face. Like You say there's no resurrection from the dead. You, if you acknowledge that there's a natural body on the earthly realm below, you have to acknowledge that there is a body on the heavenly realm above. Logic. Smacking the chops. Love Paul. Can't wait to meet him. Now, Paul was not supported by churches until the philippian church and always by women <laughs> same thing in Baran ministries amen men's up in here is cheap no i'm just kidding but lydia was, uh, had a business, Lydia, the woman who had the Philippian church meeting in her house, had a business, and she raised earthworms, crushed them, and used the blood to make purple dye, which was the dye that kings bought to make their robes, and then she contributed to Paul's ministry. But until he ran into Lydia much later in uh, in his journey, he was a tent maker by trade. So he made tents, and he used a similar analogy to what we're talking about in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, we believers in Christ know if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, first class condition if, if and it's true, and it is through physical death. So if, if it's torn down, and it is through physical death, we have a building from God. A house not made with human hands, not mortal, a house eternal, imperishable in the heavens where moth and rust don't destroy. Amen? See, God's transformative power takes us from a tent to a building. Amen? It's just like me. You know, like I've had people in my life, hey, Rory, you want to go camping? No, I don't want to go camping. <laughs> I, amen? I want to go to Four Seasons. That's my idea of camping. Amen? That, and it's just, I didn't know, but it's because I'm a Christian. Amen? Because I don't want no tent. I want Four Seasons. That's it. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul in a human body a body that is corrupt and is going into the ground. That's what we inherited from Adam. But the last Adam, Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. The life he gave us is the resurrection life, and the place that that resurrection life is going to be housed is the resurrection body. So Deacon Denny was right on. At the moment of salvation, you get the resurrection life. Our resurrection life is looking for a home. (laughs) Because right now, it's in a place that it does not want to be. Amen? It does not want to be in this place where it's going to go into the ground. 1 Corinthians 15, 46. However, the spiritual body is not first. He's now talking about sequence again. The natural body is first. Then the spiritual body comes after. God is organized. God is perfect. God is smart. 1 Corinthians fourteen fifteen forty seven, 47. The first man is from the earth. Adam is from the earth, made out of dust, thus earthly. But the second man, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven. Amen? That's John 1, 14. The Lord, whole Lagos, came down and took on the form of a human being, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, and lived among us. And we beheld his glory. We saw in him the exact reflection of the Godhead. 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-eight: As in the earthly, so also are those who are earthly. And as in the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-nine: Just as we have borne the image of the earthly, that's what you see when you look at me. That's what you see when you look in the mirror, the image of the earthly. We will also bear the image of the heavenly. That's what we have to look forward to. So what do unbelievers fail to notice? They miss it that an omnipotent God with all the power can change mortal into immortality, can change the corrupt into incorruptibility, can change dishonor to glory, can change weakness into power and can change the natural body into the spiritual body. And see, here's what legalistic religious people want us to believe because they believe it. They want us to believe that they're going to take this mortal and do something meaningful with it. Through their work, through the work of an imperfect person, they're somehow going to be able to do something that's pleasing to God. Past the joint, that is not going to happen. Amen? That is not going to happen. It has never happened. Never. So just delete that from your head. That is false. But what does happen? God does it. And that's what you want. You just want to. You just want to go to God. See, this is what, this is where I am in my life. You know, I I'm, I'm self sufficient. Oh, I'm wonderful. I'm successful by the human standard. You know, I drive a Lexus. <laughs> when I should be driving a Honda. Amen. <laughs> Anybody can overpay for a car. But what, what do you what do you come to in your life? You come to the point. Where God says, all right, I gave you a lot of blessings and you did well with them, man. Really, really good. And now, let's see what you look like in helpless. You know what I look like in helpless? I look real good. Because I have zero problem turning my problems over to somebody who can handle them. Amen? Zero problem with that that is the best experience of life when you get it that you can't do it and you just go to god and you say hey man i can't fix it can you fix it and he says well have you looked at first peter 5 lately I said, no, as a matter of fact, I haven't. You turn to 1 Peter 5, and it says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might promote you at the proper time, slamming all your cares on his back because he cares for you. And what does he cares for you mean? It's a Greek idiom, and it means God considers your problems to be his responsibility. Amen? Amen. He considers your overweight to be his responsibility. Amen? Amen? He considers your nappy head to be his responsibility. Amen? <laughs> like, whatever problem you got. You got psoriasis? He considers that to be his responsibility. Yes, we have an amazing God. I just love it. And unbelievers fail to notice that. So we don't. The unbeliever with natural eyes and reason sees the resurrection as impossible. Believers in Christ who see things with supernatural and spiritual eyes see everything as possible because we count on the power of God. Hey, Mary, what are you doing today? Nothing, I'm just hanging out here in the garden. Oh, by the way, uh, you're going to have a baby. What? You're going to have a baby. How can this be? I've never had sex. Oh, well, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and it will just be amazing. Okay. Be it done unto me according to your will. The virgin birth. After that, she had six kids, I hope you guys know. Virgin birth, not Virgin Mary. Virgin birth and then six kids. Four boys, two girls, minimum. Okay, James was one of them, by the way. So, believers in Christ see things differently. Our resurrection bodies in the future will not be a reconstruction of our physical bodies. Amen? Amen. I'm so happy. I'll have hair again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's alive. (laughs) But...
1: But that's the way unbelievers see things. Oh, what's he going to do? Take us out of the ground and put our wormy body? No. How can a man be born again when he is old? Should he go back into his mother's womb? No. Well, what does he do exactly? Our resurrection bodies will be a complete transformation into a body that can exist in the heavenly realm. We will be transformed from an earthly body that will be buried and turned to dust to a resurrection body that will be Here it is, you listening, recognizable to family and friends. Is that cool or not? You guys are my friends. You will be up there waiting for me when I come. I will be 120, you guys are going to die long before that. And you will be waiting there for me, like, like the end of the amazing race. You know, there'd be two lines and I'll be running to the finish line and y'all will be clapping. Amen? It'll be thousands and thousands of people there clapping. Because I have a lot of relatives who are in heaven. So, recognizable to family and friends. It will eat yes. There gotta be Michelin three star restaurants in heaven. It can walk through walls. It can disappear in one place and appear in another. Okay? You digging that? Well, where does it say that in the Bible? A lot of places. I ain't got no time to tell you about that today. Well, we have a lot to look forward to. Thanks be to the God who is powerful enough to transform us. Well, the closing moments of our study today is for anyone who is here, who does not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we want you to know that God wants you, and what He wants from you is that you make the most important decision of your life. This decision takes about two minutes. Hearing about it takes about six minutes, so it's an eight-minute decision that can change your whole eternity. You are one of God's creatures. And if you choose, you can be a child of God. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, As many as received the invitation from Jesus to be saved, to them he gave the right to become children of God the Father, even to those who believe in Jesus' name. Yet one of the things you need to know is that your divine parent does not operate the same way a human parent operates. As human parents, often we are emotional, arbitrary, and sentimental. We tell our children exactly what we want them to do, expecting that they will do it. And often they do the opposite. And when they ask us, and then when they do the opposite, they ask us for an exception. I know I didn't do exactly what you asked, but please, 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 can I do it my way? And often our emotional, arbitrary, and sentimental self allows them to disobey. By doing this, we teach them to ignore our requests in critical matters. God is not a human parent. God tells us exactly what we must do to be saved, and those who don't, don't do it think that in the end, God will be like them, emotional, arbitrary, and sentimental. They think that God will let them in heaven their own way. He won't. God has a different plan. In John 14:6. Jesus says this, I am the way to salvation, I am the truth through the word of God, and I am the resurrection life, eternal life, and no one comes to God the Father in heaven but through believing in me. God's plan for for your salvation is a critical matter, and the Lord is not emotional or arbitrary or sentimental about it. He is crystal clear. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, the Lord says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter into the kingdom. And what God the Father's will is in the matter of your salvation is first of all, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, which tells us what is not God's will. It is not God's will for any of you unbelievers to perish in the lake of fire, but for all of you to come to repentance, which is a change of mind, about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that funny how I have to cough and how the microphone starts messing up in the gospel message? Isn't that funny how that always happens? So what is the will of God? It's quite simple, and it's revealed in Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believe. That's what it takes to be saved. It only takes about 30 seconds of your time. You simply turn your salvation over to the God who saves you. And the Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. I, Paul, delivered to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised from the dead on the third day, according to the Old Testament Scriptures. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. If you ignore God's critical requests, there are consequences. John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in God the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life, Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. So if you want to get to heaven, it's probably just best to do what God suggests. Acts sixteen thirty one: Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will pay you and everyone in your household who also believes. When we believe, we simply take God's word for it in the matter of what it takes to be saved, and we benefit from it. Do it right now. Just once, and you'll be saved for all time. Well, let's close with a song. What is a guarantee? A guarantee is a promise that something committed to will be fulfilled. When God makes a promise, it's a guarantee. Here is one of the Lord's promises, Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. The steps of a righteous man, a believer in Christ, are established by the Lord, and the Lord delights in his way. Psalm 37:24. And when a righteous man falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. When the sovereign God of the universe has your back, what is there to fear? Here's June Murphy to encourage us believers in Christ to fear not.
4: tremble. No need to be dismayed. I'm God. I'm for you. So who can be against you? Stand firm in the truth. Do not be afraid. Fear not. I spirit of fear that leads you back to slavery. I've given you the spirit of power and love. The more you give in to your fear, hiding from reality, a paralyzed prisoner of fear, you make yourself victim of. will really?
1: June. Let's close with words of worship for our Almighty God. Philippians 4 6 says, Stop worrying about anything. Instead, in everything, by prayer and petition, with an attitude of thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God the Father. The opposite of worry is prayer. Philippians 4 7 The peace of God the Father, which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds, flooding your souls with peace, you who are in union with Christ Jesus. Jude chapter 1 verse 24 says, Now to Jesus Christ, the one who is able to keep you from stumbling, and the one who is able to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through our union with Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, we just thank you for the chance to uh, to be here today with you and to learn your word. We thank you for all of the provisions that you've given us and all the things that you do for us on a regular basis that equip us to feel. What do we got? We just thank you for all the blessings that you give us through the word, how you plant seeds in our soul through the word, and how you make those seeds grow into beautiful plants that are there at the time when we need them most. And right now the Barah Ministries family is suffering a loss, and we need you most. We are weak, and we know that when we are weak, we are able to access divine power because you're strong for us. And we just ask you to comfort Carol Leonard in her pain, to comfort her family, to bring them the resources they need to get the gospel message and to bring them the resources they need to soothe their souls during a painful time. I also pray for the other Barah Ministries members. I pray for Larry and Pat that you give them traveling mercies on the way home. I pray for all the people here who are having health issues that you settle those by surrounding them with a phenomenal medical community. And I pray that you bring us the peace which surpasses comprehension during the time of tribulation, and especially the tribulations we experience as parents in trying to raise our kids to be uh, Christians who live successfully in Satan's kingdom. And finally, of course... Please let the Phoenix Suns absolutely trounce the Los Angeles Lakers. Let them sweep them in four games. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening.